a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around Around the the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. Hope you're having a great Friday and rolling into the weekend. We are broadcasting once again from Tokyo, Japan. And we're here at the G20 Interfaith Forum, and very pleased today to be joined by my colleague, Kelsey Dallas. Uh, Kelsey, thanks for joining us in Japan. Well, thanks for having me. You came all that way just to be on Inside Sources. <laughs> yes, and to have you as a travel companion <laughs> is really the reason to go anywhere. We really want everyone to note that as long as we get good sushi and good ramen, we're going we're gonna to call we'll this be a happy. successful trip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we're here at the, at the G20 Interfaith Forum. And uh, you mentioned in your article today on DeseretNews.com that this may be the most important conference that no one's ever heard about. Mm -hmm. So tell us about it. Uh, You've almost certainly heard of its popular secular counterpart, the G20 Summit. So that's an annual gathering of leaders from the top global economies. Um, It'll happen here in Japan later this month. What you might not know and likely don't know is that ahead of those meetings for the last six years, there's been this interfaith gathering that has the goal of sort of bringing a religious or moral voice to the same issues that political leaders are going to talk about at the G20 Summit. Yeah, and I think most people do recognize the uh, the G20 Economic Summit. That's Mm -hmm. where all the leaders of the world gather and they usually take a big picture <laughs> in front of some iconic spot wherever they're uh, wherever they are uh, but it is more about the politics uh, for that where this conference seems to be much more focused on how do we actually do some practical tactical things yeah. uh, to alleviate poverty or trafficking or whatever it may be right the G20 summit um, as some of the presenters today have talked about is actually about posturing that it's like let's all hang out we're fancy world leaders we have to talk about sort of what's on our agenda, but we're not necessarily tied to these huge questions of the human condition. Like, how do we care for each other? How do we care for the earth? And so the G20 Interfaith Forum is much more anchored in these very deep uh, dialogues that all of us sort of have in our own hearts or in our faith communities. And it's it's not so much what's the political feasibility of doing something. It's just, we have to do something and what is the best possible solution? Yeah. Now, the, so the G20 Interfaith Forum has been going for about six years now. Yes. That right? In its current form. That's right. And you uh, you attended last year down in mm-hmm. Argentina. What was the takeaway from Argentina last year? Well, they had sort of messages on a variety of topics like corruption or the horrible status of sort of human trafficking around mm-hmm. the world. And uh, that was sort of a key success for them was that in Argentina – 
leaders seemed interested in what had happened at the forum. And according to some participants, they actually mentioned human trafficking in the G20 summit documents because of the work of the Interfaith Forum. And so that's really what we're talking about right now in terms of the success of the forum is just getting like a single phrase added to a formal political document. Right. Okay. Uh, so I want to drill down just a little bit in terms of what uh, what actually took place today, some of the conversations. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a network of networks yes. uh, of re- some religious groups, faith groups, uh, NGOs, all kinds of folks uh, who are interested in, in various things. Uh, we talked to someone from Australia today who was really heavily focused on the, the slave issue and yeah. child labor. Uh, we have some people that are really focused on the climate issues yes. and what role religion plays there. What were some of the things that you heard today that were uh, interesting? Well, one of the most important sort of themes that carried throughout the day for me is something I was already mentioning, which is the difference between political leadership and religious leadership. Political leaders at any time have to worry about these very um, sort of basic concerns of getting reelected, of raising enough money, of having something to show for your time in office um, that is sort of a concrete policy. Whereas religious leaders are thinking in terms of eternity, that it's sort of how do we carry on uh, God's hope for all of us and how do we serve people in all places and do what's best for the generations that come after us. So it does sound like I'm throwing political leaders under the bus, but it's just when which, you're which at is an, never a bad thing. <laughs> when I'm at an event like this, I just I I sort of worry about how many of our conversations happen in political terms because when we talk about them in religious terms, it leads to very different behaviors, more positive behaviors of sort of unified human family. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we are uh, broadcasting recording today from Tokyo, Japan. And we've got Kelsey Dallas uh, from the Deseret News joining us. And uh, in in your piece uh, today on DeseretNews.com, Kelsey, you you mentioned one of the really interesting moments early on in the mm-hmm. day today. Uh, a question from the floor that really was this question of, hey, is this even going to matter in yeah. the end? And and how do we make political leaders care that we may actually have more solutions uh, that are real practical? I, I loved one of the uh, the comments. Um, it's actually one of the, uh, I think it's one of the plenary sessions, uh, was really centered around this idea that because it's possible that we can come up with a solution, you know, working together is absolutely imperative, mm-hmm. but we've got to get it to transcend the politics yeah. and, or, or we have to get it on the radar of the politicians. Uh, and I've been one who's always believed that, uh, politicians rarely lead, if ever. It's community and culture that lead. Mm -hmm. And the politicians follow. So there was an interesting discussion on the floor. Describe that a little bit for everybody. Well, someone got up and asked this question that's like, have any of you panelists during this open session even spoken to a G20 summit leader? Have you mentioned the words G20 Interfaith Forum to someone sort of with the power to pick up our recommendations and make a difference in the world? And I was sort of had this moment feeling stunned because, um, I, it was a big takeaway for me in Argentina that this is a group with a lot of potential that's still sort of figuring out how to make a difference, but it had not been spoken about within the room. It was sort of like, let's all get along and, and be happy and excited to work together. Let's not be gloomy about sort of what our potential and our current process is. And so to have it be brought up in the very first session, I was amazed. And it really sort of colored my day in a pretty positive way. That's kind like, of energized oh, the room yes, too, every, everybody <laughs> wants to be focused and to drive action and not just sort of 
float around in intellectual ideas. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the interesting things is as I kind of moved around and spoke to different people who were participating in the G20 Interfaith Forum here in Tokyo, uh, it, a lot of them are kind of concerned that, you know, do we just become an academic conference? Is this just an academic, you know, thought exercise that makes us all feel better? Uh, or can we actually produce some some real results? And, and ultimately, that's going to be the, the test and, and whether this becomes sustainable for the long term mm-hmm. is can you showcase uh, in a positive way and message in the right way mm-hmm. uh, all of these things that actually are happening because of faith groups, faith communities, people who are just going out and, and getting things done. Um, and, and so how, how, how is that going to happen? As you see this kind of rolling out over the next couple of days, what's, what do you expect next in this thing? Well, I think about this actually a lot as a reporter. Um, you might know that as a reporter, you have to get page views <laughs> if you're going to keep <laughs> your right. job. So we talk about it in the newsroom in terms of what's your headline? What's the key message? Um, you can't just ramble on for 5,000 words you need to have a driving force. And so I think people here want to stay focused on what is their reason why, what is their passion, and just center around that belief that we will build a better world if we listen to religious voices. And so they're very focused on having concrete action plans uh, to hand to their local uh, leaders uh, or their national leaders, I should say, and to have prime ministers acknowledge that this group exists. And maybe this year there won't be some amazing embrace of all these ideas, mm-hmm. but there will at least be sort of an eye-opening, uh, transformative moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got just about a minute left. If you're just joining us, uh, we're, we're recording live today in uh, Tokyo, Japan at the uh, G20 Interfaith Forum, which is ahead of the Economic Summit, uh, which will happen in Osaka later this month. And uh, I, w- I want to wrap up, uh, Kelsey, just in this last minute. One of the things that struck me is there was this interesting debate going on on the <laughs> on the floor in that opening session uh, was, I-, I wonder if this group is worried about becoming more like the G20 Economic Summit, when in reality it probably should be the other way around. Well, that's what we're talking about. We're both sort of radicalized to this idea (laughs) that let's continue to be prophetic voices and not just become political ones. So I think for all of us, um, me as a reporter, you as an opinion uh, writer and sort of thought leader, how do we just continue to do what's right and talk about important ideas and not just conform to the sort of the way the world wants us to be? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great stuff, and uh, we'll continue to watch it. We've got more articles coming up, but you can watch throughout the weekend on DeseretNews.com. Uh, Kelsey will continue to provide uh, in-depth reporting on everything that's happening mm-hmm. here in Tokyo, including whether the food is good. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure we get that, and then uh, we'll come back again on Monday and uh, see how this all shakes out. And so stay with us. Make sure you follow DeseretNews.com over the weekend. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to pick up and, and share. We always talk about uh, the difference that one person can make. Uh, I just heard a fascinating story here in Japan uh, about some people who made a difference 25 years ago, uh, and the reverberations and ripples from that are still making a difference. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Inside Sources. We'll be right back. Inside Sources. sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around Around the the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. 
Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us today. If you're just joining us, we are broadcasting from Tokyo, Japan, at the G20 Interfaith Forum. Uh, just had a great conversation with Kelsey Dallas from the Deseret News, who has uh, been tracking and uh, following all of the, the happenings here. And you can read all of her reporting over the weekend. Uh, much more to come at uh, DeseretNews.com. And uh, we were talking just before the break uh, in terms of what this group is is looking to do. And, and to me, it's, it's really about having a communication strategy that is as strong and robust uh, as the policy strategy. And the goal of the forum really is to influence policy, to make sure that uh, these things that uh, are being done in local communities uh, are actually being carried out in a, in a positive way. And, and so often it is the faith groups or the community groups uh, that are often able, able to, to best get in and help in the short term. Uh, they're also able to help in the long term. You look at something like a natural disaster, faith groups are able to bulk up and gear up very rapidly to meet immediate needs. But then another really important factor is that they also have staying power, where sometimes you'll have an NGO or you'll have a government agency that will swoop in during a natural disaster, but then they leave, and often that support structure goes with it. Uh, and so the, the faith groups really do have an important role to play. Uh, in this year's uh, Interfaith Forum here in Tokyo, Japan, again, that's just a couple of weeks ahead of the Economic Forum, uh, they're, they're focusing on peace, they're focusing on people, and they're focusing on the planet. And, and so what is the role of faith groups and faith leaders uh, and faith followers, for that matter, in terms of promoting peace around the world? What is it that they're doing to uh, help create upward mobility, to alleviate suffering, to deal with refugees, uh, and a host of other things? And so the, uh, the focus is, is very strong there. And, and I think, to me, one of the most important takeaways <clears throat> is that the members of, of this group, and again, it's this interesting network of networks uh, that get together and, and just do extraordinary things uh, to alleviate suffering and, and to... Uh, create opportunities for people to uh, to flourish and to do well. And I think they just need to remember that they have a lot of strength and a lot of power beyond the politicians. Uh, I have always believed that uh, politicians rarely lead. It's community and culture that lead and the politicians follow. Uh, and the other thing that's that's just so amazing to watch here is just how one person with an idea can make a difference or how one person with a simple action can make a difference that can can really sustain. Uh, I was talking before the break that I had a, a fascinating experience today. I had a chance to uh, to sit down with the editor of the Asahi Shimbun, the Japanese newspaper, and uh, as we were having this conversation, this is the uh, editor of the uh, international section, and he said, "I have to tell you a story." And I said, "Okay, fine." And he said, "25 years ago." Uh, he was a young man. He had gone to Los Angeles and, uh, you know, left Japan, gone to Los Angeles for a, a trip. And then he decided that he was going to drive across America so he could just have that ex American experience driving from Los Angeles to New York. Uh, and he was just by himself. So he rented a car, started on his way. And he says, I was driving along and I made it to St. George, Utah. <laughs> And I said, oh, boy, here we go. And he said his car broke down in St. George. And he's there at the side of the road, doesn't know what to do. And sure enough, uh, two young missionaries come by, uh, push, his, push his car along, 
and uh, get him to a, a place and found someone who would, would work on his car. And while they were working on his car, the two missionaries took him around St. George, bought him lunch, uh, took great care of him, uh, got him all done, would not accept any money for the repair of the car and, and send him on his way. And I said, wow, that's a, that's an amazing story. He said, well, you know, I, I actually have a 15-year-old son. Do you know what his name is? And I had not a guess. I said, no, what, what is his name? He said, Utah. <laughs> uh, and so here this incident that had happened when he was a young man driving across America 25 years ago, uh, it made such an impact and had such an influence on him that he actually named his son Utah. So there is a 15-year-old Japanese boy here in Tokyo uh, whose name is Utah. Uh, and it just shows, the uh, again, the difference that one, one person or one set of people can make uh, if they just choose to engage. And I think we have so many uh, things like that where we, if we just engage, if we just choose to make a difference, we can make a difference. And, and often it's not the politicians that are going to do it. Uh, I, the more I participate in this uh, conference here at the G20 Interfaith Forum, the more I realize that it, it is civil society that drives the solutions that the world needs. They're not coming out of Paris. They're not coming out of uh, the halls of Congress for sure. Uh, and they're coming out of communities, and they're coming out of groups of people, like-minded people, who are saying, we can make a difference on this issue. Uh, and there are a host of those. Uh, and whether it's uh, alleviating intergenerational poverty, whether it's creating upward mobility through education programs, uh, whatever it may be, there's just scores of opportunities to do that every day. And sometimes I know we sit back and we think, well... I don't really have time or I can't really make a difference. And we, we sit back or we shrug our shoulders and say, hey, that's, that's not my job. That's not my specialty. That's not my thing. Uh, and, and we just sit back. Um, I've seen my wife, Debbie, and uh, a group of her friends who have been uh, engaged with Catholic charities and the great work that they're doing with uh, refugees here in the state of Utah, uh, where they will actually work uh, with a refugee or a refugee family uh, for the course of several months and, and help them do simple things that we often take for granted. Uh, just, you know, getting around to a dentist appointment or to get a driver's license or to learn English. And there are groups like Catholic Charities, uh, like uh, Latter-day Saint Charities, and, and a host of other groups that are just out there doing good uh, that seem to be more geared to get the right kind of solutions uh, than what we're getting from a policy standpoint coming out of our nation's capital or out of world capitals as well. And, and so I think it's important for us to just uh, step back a little bit and recognize uh, where the power really is. And I think if we communicate that in a significant way, the politicians will follow. Uh, they always follow. Uh, and some of them are really good at running to the front of a parade, but the parade was usually started by an individual or a family or a neighborhood or a community or a faith organization that saw a need and decided to act. And to me, that's the whole key to all of this is who's willing to step up and step in, who's willing to square their shoulders rather than shrug them, and who's, who's ready to really make a diff difference out there. And that's the key. And that's one of the things, uh, again, uh, going back to my conversation with uh, the editor at the Asahi Shimbun, 
he was amazed at uh, what happens in Utah. Uh, in fact, he acknowledged, he said, Utah is the, the sunny side of America. Uh, it's, it's where the sun shines. It's where the American dream is still alive. And I think that's true. Uh, and I think that's true because we have a free market economy that's working, expanding and growing and creating opportunities and upward mobility. And then we have strong institutions of civil society. We have neighborhoods, communities, faith groups uh, of all kinds and all stripes who are making a difference. And that's where the American dream actually kicks in uh, and is still alive and well right in the state of Utah. Uh, So we're going to continue to monitor that uh, throughout the weekend. Again, watch the pages of uh, the Deseret News and DeseretNews.com as well as here on KSL News Radio as we continue to track the G20 Interfaith Forum ahead of the G20 Economic Forum. I think this is the more important of the two meetings that will produce more solutions that will do more good for people all around the world. So stay with us. We'll broadcast one more time live here on Monday. Uh, Have a fantastic weekend. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. I'm Boyd Matheson, Opinion Editor for the Deseret News. We'll catch you on Monday.